what's up, my fellow monkeys? You're listening to the Arm Date Podcast. I'm your host, Tony. Today is Saturday, the 1st of May, 2010. I know it's been a while since I've put out a show. Sometime life kind of gets in the way, and I'd actually planned on doing one uh, the following week that I'd gotten back from camping, and that was, I think, the uh, 18th of of April, and now here it is, the 1st of the 1st of May. Uh, what we'll do on today's show is I want to do a review. My review for today's show, I guess I should say, is going to be on the uh, parka that I had bought. I think I talked about that before. And that's that M90, that Swedish military parka. What? That's a good jacket. I would highly recommend that. And we'll get into the review of that a little bit later. Uh, let's see. What we'll also talk about is we got a uh, voicemail from Dale in Texas. We also have a couple of emails from Jens, our good buddy over in Germany. And let me say to you guys right now, thanks so much for writing in and for doing the MP3 and sending that stuff in. I really appreciate that. Uh, I hope that you guys always feel that you can contribute to the show. And again, for you other guys out there that are listening that think, man, I, I wouldn't mind talking about this or doing this or doing something like that. Please feel free to do so. I think it makes the show a lot better uh, that we can hear from everybody and kind of get our community built up. Like I said, our numbers aren't that great. Or, or I mean, I, well, I guess I shouldn't even say not that great. That we've got around probably about oh three to four hundred listeners. If you, if I can look at the number of of unique downloads and what's kind of pretty consistent, so we've got a real good core group. So. Uh, Please feel free to participate. Oh, also, before I forget, um, there is that survey link over there, and I think about 15 or 16 of you guys have filled that out so far. Thanks so much for doing that. Like I said, I don't know if that will ever pan out to anything like uh, maybe getting a sponsor for some advertising for the show, uh, things like that. Um, But if it does, hey, that would be great to maybe belay some of the costs or set aside some of the costs of doing the show. Let's go ahead, since we're talking about uh, getting involved and doing some of that stuff, let's go ahead and get our contact information out of the way. If you want to send me an email or if you've done an MP3 and you'd like to send that to me, you can do that at thearmedape at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. And if it's a big file that you've done, you can just use uh, transferbigfiles.com. And uh, it's real super simple to use. Basically, you just go to there, upload the file to them. They send me an email saying, hey, you've got a file over here. And I just go down there and download it. And then I can pop it into the show. Uh, Let's see. What else? Oh, um, if you would like to, you can leave a voicemail. And the voicemail number is area code 206-339-3266. Uh, again, that number is 206-339-3266. Feel free to go ahead and leave a message there, even if you're just calling in and saying, hey, this is so-and-so, I'm from such-and-such, and I like the show, or if you've got some suggestions for something that you think could be better, or if you have uh, something that you'd like reviewed, go ahead and drop us a line. And if I don't have experience with it, I'm sure there's somebody out there who listens to the show that would uh, or, or has had experience with a certain thing, uh, and then they could hopefully maybe send in something, either like an email or an MP3 or a voicemail on it, and then that way uh, it doesn't have to be something that just I have. It's something that uh, in our community, I'm sure there's got to be somebody out there if you've got questions about something, uh, and that they would be able to do a review or give some advice on that. So 
All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's take a quick musical break. And then when we get back, we'll go ahead and uh, go over the emails. And I'll also play the uh, MP3 that Dale from Texas sent in. The song we're going to hear is by a band called Peach Stealing Monkeys. And it's the name of the song is Summertime Peach Stealing Monkey Style. And all before I forget, all music is provided courtesy of Music Alley from Media.
paraphrase it here so Jens, I hope you don't get upset or anything. Um, I kind of had a little back and forth with Jens. And uh, for those of you guys maybe listening for the first time, I had uh, asked some questions, uh, some specific questions about certain things and uh, had had uh, talked about maybe some of the pup tents and things like that from the Army. And uh, so that's what some of Jens's responses are and what I'm going to do is just sort of go ahead and kind of uh, I think I'm going to read the first email that I got from Yens. We also talked about like some hay fever remedies and stuff like that but uh, I'm going to do some paraphrasing and, and answer some stuff. All right I got an email from Yens, and he talked about some of the things that can help you with hay fever things like keeping your hair short uh, making sure that you shower when you get home. That way you don't spread any pollen that you've maybe picked up from uh, being outside all over your house. Also to go ahead and open your windows during the morning. and that Let some fresh air in and then keep them closed the rest of the day. And he also related, he talked about when he was in the Army, that they had the two men shelters, which worked quite well. Uh, but they were so cramped, they're usually known as dachshund garages. He talked about um, waterproofing. I'd mentioned, uh, I talked about that camp dry the kiwi thing. So he related experience about uh, waterproofing his boots. And he says that we also waterproofed our boots by applying a thick layer of boot polish and setting fire to it. The polish doesn't burn all that well, but the heat opens up the pores in the leather and also makes the polish rather runny so that it will penetrate and impregnate the leather. Cleaning and polishing those boots was really easy during the following months. And I'll go ahead and kind of fill in some another uh, email that I got from him. I had asked him, I sent one back, and I said, um, how, how often did he have to actually do that heated polish? And he said about once per year. And then he, he wrote uh, that those boots lasted nearly 20 years. And he said the, full, the, excuse me, the soles were the things that fell apart first, not the leather. Um... And talked a little bit about, I talked a little bit earlier or on the last show about maybe doing some t-shirt designs. And one of the designs that I had kind of come up with was a real stylized uh, monkey holding a rifle. Um, and it would be kind of like a cartoon thing. And that was sort of the same idea that Yens had. He said he'd go for a cartooned ape holding a bolt action rifle. And some of you guys may have seen on some of the earlier shows uh, the artwork that comes up on your player. I had done a, uh, a baboon holding an AK, and so something like that I'd kind of thought, but I'm, I'm still not real sure on the t-shirts. There's a guy uh, who's a local artist out here that I really like the style that he does, and I'm just going to have to see if I can uh, work with him and see, primarily probably the cost would be the same, but see if maybe he could come up with something for me along those lines. So if any of you guys out there... Um, have any ideas or or are pretty good with the old pen and pencil um go ahead draw something up and send it in um i don't know if i could ever pay you a lot for it but if it was pretty cool i could maybe try and get you something so um let's see what else did jens have to say um let's see that's about it, I think. Um, but I like to say it again, man, I really appreciate you sending in the emails and all the input that you give. Uh, also, 
Um, for anybody out there that, that contributes to the show, please feel free to continue to contribute. Um, like I said, sometimes it takes me a while to get these shows out and get back, but I always try and get back with you guys. Uh, so forgive me if it takes me a little bit longer. Um, let's see. Now, I did get a... Um, a uh, mp3 like i said from dale in texas and we'll go ahead and play that and what i had asked for on some earlier shows and was if we've done, if you've had any experiences where you kind of learned a lesson you made a little bit of a mistake or maybe you you uh made a decision that didn't work out so well but but in the end it turned out okay but you learned something from it and so that's what uh what his mp3 is about is about excuse me so we'll go ahead and drop that in and then when we come back what we'll talk about is a little bit of the camping trip the thing of it is though there's so much that i want to talk about it but i don't want the show to go on and on and on so what i think i'll talk about is maybe two things i'll talk about the uh swedish parka that m90 and i'll also talk about the uh, U.S. Army Canteen Cup and kind of my experiences with that. So we'll do sort of our little review on that. Uh, again, for you guys that are new, when we do a review of a product, what we like to try and do is ask about four or five questions. Number one, what does this thing do? Number two, how well does it do it? Number three, what are the cons of it or what's what could be, uh, where does it kind of fail if it does? Uh, number four, what are modifications that we would like to see the manufacturer make? And number five, were there any modifications that we did to that particular thing? And did those, did those mods, modifications work out or make it better or make it worse uh, or, or not really have much effect? So without further ado, let's go ahead and hear from uh, Dale in Texas. Hey there, Tony. This is Dale from Texas. Just thought I'd send you a quick note referring back to your episode 14 of The Armed Eight, where you had mentioned you'd went out to the desert to do some shooting and you didn't have enough water with you and you'd ask for people to send in some situations of lessons learned. And so I thought I'd send you a real quick one here. This one was not a life and death situation. If I had been, you know, out in a wilderness area up in the mountains somewhere in Colorado camping, uh, it could have turned out very different for me. But I'm a big outdoors person, like to hunt fish, you know, climb, hike, you know, different things like that. And so one of the type of hunting I like to do is I like to go crow hunting. And when I go crow hunting, and of course you talk to my wife or my buddies, they'll all pretty much tell you I overdo almost anything I ever get involved with. So when I go crow hunting, I will take crow decoys. I'll take an owl decoy or two. I've got a little hunting stool that I can set on to protect my little tushy from the uh, ground. You know, don't want to get all wet or mess up my camo or anything like that. I'll take my uh, shotgun, a couple hundred rounds of ammo, and I'll take an electronic collar. Now this time when I was going out hunting, this was several years ago, this was before all these new MP3 uh, wildlife collars. This was an old Johnny Stewart cassette deck collar. And this is one where it's like a cassette deck attached to a big lead acid battery. It's almost like a car battery. Then you string out, you know, a hundred yards worth of cable and you got a big speaker attached to it. And so needless to say, carrying that big battery around gets very heavy. In addition to a couple hundred rounds of shotgun, you know, 12 gauge ammo, and everything else I'm carrying with me. Well, it had been raining prior to the, my hunt. It had been raining for a couple of days. And on the day I decided to uh, go out hunting, uh, it is a little bit foggy in the morning. And you watch the weather, they are predicting fog for the rest of the day. 
thought that's no big deal. That may actually help conceal me, help my camo, uh, because if you ever hunted crows or talked to anybody who can, these can be pretty smart little suckers out there. So they are not the easiest uh, type of uh, bird to go hunting for. And so anyway, I drive out. It's probably about an hour, hour and a half out of town to where I go hunting. It's on some public hunting land managed by the uh, Department of Wildlife. And so I get out there to go hunting, park on the side of the road. And the place where I go hunting is in probably about a mile to a mile and a half. When I walk back in there uh, with all of my equipment, normally it would take me probably about 45 minutes to an hour to walk back in there. So I park. And as I'm walking back in there, there's a creek, there's a bunch of wooded area, and the wildlife department has every so often cleared out like almost like a big, um, almost like clear cut a big section down to the ground so they could plant food plots to attract deer. But they would still, you know, you'd have a small food plot type situation, then you'd have a bunch of trees and maybe a little opening through the trees so they could pull tractors and stuff through there as they were working the food plot, and you'd have another big opening, you'd have a bunch of wooded area trees. And by trees, I don't mean like, you know, two or three trees. I mean, it's a pretty thick wooded area, and they would cut like a passageway through so they could get on back in and cut another uh, food plot out. And so, of course, the ground is very soggy, very muddy this particular day because it had been raining. So as I'm walking back there, I've got to stop every so often to uh, clean the mud off my boots because they get very big, very large, very heavy. And so it takes me a little bit longer to walk back there, and I notice it is getting a little bit more foggy. Um, by the time I get back there, it's getting, you know, it's pretty foggy by now. So I get everything all set up. And by the time I start calling, uh, the fog has come in so thick, I probably have maybe, maybe a 10-yard visibility. I mean, I could not even see all the way across this little clear-cut food plot area to that, to that wooded area. And these are what I kind of I use as my landmarks walking back and forth. And I have hunted this area many, many times. I know it like the back of my hand. You know, I think I could walk in and out of there with my eyes closed. I've been in there so many times. So I sit down, start off the collar for, you know, five, ten minutes, and absolutely nothing is happening. And I figure, you know what, it is so foggy at this point. If a crow does come in, he's going to have to almost land on the end of my shotgun barrel by the time I'm, before I can even see him. It's so foggy out here. So I pack all of my equipment up, and I start heading back to my pickup. And so I head in the direction of my pickup and I'm walking and I'm walking and I'm walking and I just do not remember this little food plot being this large of a patch of ground. I'm thinking, well, maybe because the fog is so uh, thick and I have no frame of reference and I've got to stop and clean my boots off, you know, maybe it is taking me longer. And I walk and walk and walk and finally hit the row of trees on the opposite side of the little clear cut. Well, I know once I hit that tree, uh, that tree line, I follow it to the opening go through the opening, walk across the next field. You know, I've got my little uh, map planned out, so I start walking along my tree line, stop, clean my boots off every now and then. And again, I'm thinking, I just do not remember this tree line being this long, but I, you know, go back to my reasoning. It's so foggy and everything that I just don't have any, you know, I'm not really disoriented. You know, I just have no landmarks or, you know, anything to, to go by, really no depth perception even. And so I keep going, walk until I come to a little opening in the tree. Well, okay, it's supposed to be there. I walk through this little opening in the uh, wooded area, and then I walk across this next field. And, you know, by now, I have probably, by the time I get across the next field, 
I am probably an hour, hour and a half or more into my walk and I should be getting very close and I am looking around and of course I can only see five, 10 yards out by this point and I am not recognizing anything. So I just keep walking um, and finally I come through this little wooded area and to me it appears as I'm looking you know into this wooded area is that like a like a tire track is that like ATV trail over there and there is an ATV trail that runs through this one patch of ground because I've driven down it as I'm out there scouting and checking out the lay of the land and different things like that and so I walk over walk through make my way through this little wooded area and sure enough there's these two tracks there I set everything down and begin to ponder my situation. If this is the, the trail I'm thinking of, I've been walking in almost the exact opposite direction that I need to be walking. Now, maybe there is another trail out there I'm not aware of. So I'm going to assume this is my correct trail that I'm thinking it is. And if it is, I should be walking over to the left, which would be uh, to the west uh, in my direction. And so I grab all my gear, which of course now feels like it's weighing like, you know, 5,000 pounds by now. And so I take off down this, this little ATV trail and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. It seems like I'm never going to come to the end of this trail. I'm on this trail for probably 30, 45 minutes, again, close to an hour. So now I've been walking probably close to two hours, if not a little bit more, on a hour walk, 45 minute walk and... I know some I know I'm just I'm either going the wrong direction or I'm on a wrong trail. So I set everything down and I figure, you know what? Let me go look at the fall back to the old moss on the north side of the tree thing. And so I look all the way around the tree. Of course there's moss growing all the way around the tree, but it does appear that it is growing just a little bit thicker on one side. Well I'm thinking, you know what? If that is north, either north is in the wrong direction or I've been walking in the wrong direction. And so I thought, well, I've walked an hour this way. Let me turn around and walk the other way. And so after about another hour of walking, I finally get up to where I started because I can see my uh, tracks coming in. And so I thought, okay, I've got to keep going here. So I walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. And finally, I come out to the main road, which as soon as I see the main road, I know exactly where I am. Yes, this is the trail I'm supposed to be on. And yes, I was walking the wrong direction. So then I head up this main road, walk back up to where my pickup is. And of course, I throw everything on the ground and just collapse in the back of my pickup and rest for 15, 20 minutes because I am beat at this point. And so, you know, one thing I learned here was only take the necessary equipment I need as far as hunting equipment and things like that. You know, I, and again, this was not a life and death situation for me. I did not take any water with me in this situation. I did not need it. Um, it was it was cool out again, foggy. It had been raining. There was a creek nearby. So, uh, if, again, if I would have been out in a wilderness area, if I'd have been you know, up in a tent camping in the mountains at, you know, high elevations and I had walked away from the tent and got stuck out there, I might have been spending the night out somewhere. But this one didn't turn out too bad for me. And I have several compasses. I have a handheld GPS. I had the handheld GPS in the glove box of my pickup, but I did not take it with me because I knew this, I knew the lay of the land. I knew exactly where I was going. I knew how to get in. I knew how to get out except when I can't see, and I could not see any landmarks. Now, if I would have been smart, 
after walking for a ways and not recognizing anything, I'm thinking I probably should have turned around, followed my tracks all the way back to my starting point, and then just took off in a different direction. And if I didn't find anything, if I didn't recognize anything, just keep repeating it until I finally got myself pointed in the right direction. And so the lesson learned for me was if I think I'm going to be, well, if I'm in a new situation, a new hunting area, a new layout, or I think I'm going to be in a situation where there's the least little bit of fog rolling in where I can't see, throw a compass in at a minimum. Because if I would have known which way north was, even if I did not have my GPS and made a waypoint of where my uh, pickup was, if I would have known the direction of north from my hunting spot, I could have got out of there in a, in a more timely fashion anyway and not had to you know spend several hours walking around carrying 3,000 pounds worth of equipment. So that's my little story for you. Uh, if you want to use it in any of your podcasts, feel free to. If you want to edit it to shorten it up, I don't have any you know editing equipment or anything like that. So if you can make me sound like the movie star, uh, go ahead with that. But I will uh, let you go for now. Thanks for listening. I appreciate both your podcasts. Hey Dale, thanks again so much for that. Uh, Dale has sent in a, uh, I think he's called in a voicemail before. Hopefully we'll hear from you again, Dale. Any contribution you guys want to uh, do is always welcomed here on the show. Again, I think this is something that uh, we can learn from each other and something that can just make the show better. And uh, it allows us to actually get something from the show. We can hear from other members in the community so it's not always just me kind of prattling on. Well, what are a few things that I learned from uh, Dale's experience? And, I, and I'm not uh, picking on Dale or anything like that. And we've all had experiences like that. But, you know, I picked up that he, as he was walking along through the frog, he kind of had that little voice in the back of his head saying, you know what, something isn't quite right here. You're not, this is taking way too long. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times we don't listen to that little voice that we hear in the back of our head. And we, and that's something that I think that we should do. We should go with our gut feelings a lot more because more often than not, they're going to, they're going to steer us in the right direction. Uh, and, and you know, that's one thing too, you talk about, you know, even if you know the lay of the land or you know pretty much where you're going, uh, a lot of times it's a lot more easy to get turned around than you think it is or maybe a storm blows in or maybe like how he experienced the fog blows in and so your visual references and all the things that you're used to seeing well they don't apply anymore and uh, one final thing you know he talks about how he seems to sort of take way more stuff than he actually needs and I tend to do that as well I tend to overpack rather than underpack and and I guess some of my experiences that I had where I did underpack and it didn't turn out uh, as well as I would have liked it to have, have kind of made me a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say paranoid, but maybe a little cautious as far as with what I want to bring. Uh, so there is a difference between, you know, traveling light and traveling uh, so light that you're not prepared. Uh, so... Uh, make sure that you take the, the necessary things that you're going to need. And, and that's going to vary uh, from person to person. But, you know, there are some basic things that you should always have with you. Uh, and I think some of those basic things is you should have at least two ways. And this is, these are absolute minimums. At least two ways to start a fire if you're going out there. So you need to have like a lighter and probably a little striker rod at, at, the, very, at the very minimum. Uh, you should also have some type of a little compass with you. Uh, again, Dale, like he had said, if, if he had just had that compass and he could have looked at it and said, oh, I'm heading off in the wrong direction. 
Um, you should also have some water with you no matter what, whether you think you're going to need it or not. You know, you can learn from me. Uh, had I had water in my situation where I had been out in that hot, hot desert, things would have been a lot easier for me. Uh, also, you know, it doesn't... To, to carry probably, you know, a, a day's worth of water, and I know they say, oh, you need to have at least a gallon. But if you were carrying uh, probably 32 ounces, uh, you know, with you, and uh, you didn't really use it until toward the end of the day type thing, uh, you know, if you, let's say if you were out and you tripped and you broke your ankle or broke your leg and you're kind of stuck out there and it's going to be a day or so before somebody gets out to you, if you've got that extra water in your canteen, you know, that extra 32 ounces may kind of help you get through the day. Um, let's see. Other than that, that's about it. So, I what I talked about before. Oh, and b- before I, I get into the review, uh, I want to talk a little bit about that music that we just heard a few minutes ago. I really like the sound of that uh, of that lady's voice. I think she's. Uh, I just thought it was a real a pretty song, and that's a, it's a cover their version of that song, "Summertime." But uh, I uh, heard that and thought, "Wow!" I just I really enjoyed that. So I hope you guys like that. Uh, let me know if you did, you didn't, um, and if you uh, if you'd like to hear more of that kind of stuff or more of some of the goofy stuff, or it just doesn't matter one way or the other. Um, let's see. Let's talk about first, I know I'd mentioned that we'd talk about that parka, but I also wanted to talk about the canteen cup, uh, and that's the U.S. Army canteen cup, and it's the stainless steel version, so that's what we're going to talk about first. Uh, it's got a, there are two versions that were used in World War II. One was an aluminum, and the other was a stainless steel. And for a while they went with the aluminum, but toward the end of the war they went back and were using stainless steel. And this would be the same with some of their actual canteens that were issued to the troops. Um, I actually prefer the stainless steel. Um, aluminum, when you if you cook with it or use it a lot, there is the potential that it can leach off some stuff and you can get some bad stuff inside you from it. Granted, I know that with the infrequency that I actually use the canteens, Probably the aluminum it wouldn't be enough to harm you. It's not something that you're uh, that I'm using every day on a daily basis. Uh, but like I said, I just I prefer the stainless steel. Um, they're not as light. However, on these small items, eh, I don't really know that it, that the weight for me is going to make much difference. Of course, I'm not an ultralight back backpacker or hiker or anything like that. So. So let's talk about the canteen cup. Um, you can get them pretty much, uh, you can find them on eBay pretty easily. Uh, surplus stores will have them. You can look to pay anywhere from probably, if you got one that was kind of beat up, maybe five bucks. If you got one that's in uh, top notch shape, maybe 12, 10 to $12. Uh, and then you're going to have to add in shipping. Now, sometimes you can find them at surplus stores. Um, the ones that I found have always been kind of beat up. Now I ended up getting mine off eBay and I think I ordered because I ordered two, I got a break on the shipping and I also got a break on the price. And so I ended up, I think I ended up with shipping and everything paying $8 a piece. So I think I paid, no, yeah, I think I paid a total 
of sixteen dollars, and that gave me that got me two two cups. And like I said, normally, and they're both in pretty good shape. They on on them, they had a little bit of um, distortion or a little bit of a dent on the actual lips of the uh, of the cup. Now, if you look at the difference between another difference between the aluminum and the uh, stainless steel is that the aluminum has a rolled edge, so the ed the actual edge of the cup is kind of rolled and tucked under, and where the uh, stainless steel just kind of comes up and flares out. It starts to roll, but it's a flare, uh, if you know what I mean. Now, there's a you can find pictures of them if you just do a Google Images. There is also a really good site if you kind of want to get everything that's going to be pretty good material, and that's called CanteenShop.com. So if you just type that in, if you just want to look at the pictures, and the uh, again the one that I used was the butterfly handles. They had one that where the handle kind of folded up and under the cup. Um, and eventually, I'd like to get one of those in stainless steel, just to kind of goof around with it and stuff. Now, I also have a canteen cup stove that comes with it. And if you go to canteencup.com or canteen excuse me shop.com, you'll be able to see all the pictures of everything that I'm talking about there. And uh, I cooked. I actually cooked my soup in there. I had some chicken noodle soup, just some Campbell stuff from a can that I'd brought up with me when I went camping, and uh, cooked it in the fire. Um, and I used the the actual uh, canteen stove, um, which is it's, it's more of a, a cup stand too as well. I used that in there so it would just kind of be up off the coals and up off the fire a little bit. Um, Came to a nice, got got my soup going to a nice boil and had a nice little meal out of. Uh, it's real easy to eat out of. It's because it's stainless steel, it's going to be sturdy. Um, so again, if we're asking that question, well, what does this thing do? Well, it's designed to uh, do a couple of things. It's designed to be a carrier for your canteen, uh, which I have. I have a, a World War II vintage era canteen that I've had. I've had one of them that I bought just recently. It's a 1945 uh, Volrath. And then I have a another one which is oh, it's like GNF company or something like that. But anyway, that's also from '45. Now that one, I think I've had that one since I was about the earliest I can remember using it was about 10 years old. I think I had it before that, or we had it in the family before that. I don't know if it's something that one of my older brothers had, uh, or if it was something that maybe my dad had got at a. Uh, at a, a surplus sh shop way back then um, but I've had those things for a long long time so it it carries that perfectly um, it's also designed to be able to uh, boil water which it, it does quite well it's designed to be able to cook um, some people have cooked uh, biscuits and some bread in there and there's different techniques for using that and um, I haven't done that yet, and that's something that I want to try. There's a guy on YouTube, and uh, let me let me. And you know what? I'll I think it's Hatchet Jack or One Hatchet Jack or something like that. I'll put a link to it at the show, and he does a um, a little video on cooking some biscuits. That's pretty neat, and uh, uses a little bit of aluminum foil and. And uh, gets them to where, you know, a lot of them you see on YouTube when these guys are making these biscuits, they're just burned black on the outside. 
but I think there's tech like everything. There's techniques for everything. So I think you could also use the cup once you got the technique down. Uh, you could use it for baking, maybe some bread, things like that. Uh, with the caveat that you're probably going to have to use some aluminum foil or something else uh, in there, so it won't won't stick. Uh, so that's what it's also designed again. Uh, to allow you to heat the cup up and I've got the one with the butterfly handles and you can have that in the fire and the handles don't heat up you can have those sitting on the coals and the handles don't heat up um, also the design for how the lip of the cup is it actually is is easy to drink out of uh, because it flares it kind of for lack of a better word uh, it's sort of what you would call ergonomically designed to drink out of, I guess. Um, and, and once you go on the, on the site or look at the pictures of them, uh, or if you're familiar with them, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the, the shape of the cup, again, is designed to uh, sort of fit on the hip or go on the hip. It's kind of that kidney-shaped type thing, you know, much like the canteen. Uh, there's plenty of room in there. Uh, and I think it holds... I want to say it holds... At a, about two cups. Um, it's it's also it's it's uh, the opening of the cup is wide enough to where you can easily eat out of it. So you can easily get a spoon or a fork in there to eat with. Um, the cons of it. Let's talk about that. So uh, to recap real quick, uh, what does it do, uh, and does it do it very well? Well, it's designed to. To do those things and it does it quite well uh, there's been a lot of uh, I guess maybe you could say trial and error with it over the years and it's been it's been out and had heavy use out in the field and hasn't failed people so um, let's talk about some of the cons of the cup one of the things that I don't like about it is that it does not have a metal lid or any type of a lid so that you could uh, aid with with boiling water um, I wish it did come with that. Uh, now there is a lid, and again, if you go to that cantingshop.com, you'll see the the company called I think it's called Heavy Cover Incorporated, and the guy had designed a plastic lid for it, and he also designed a so it snaps on over that lip or the uh, the flare of the lip of the cup, and then it's got a um, oh th there's a hole and then there's like a, a levered plug that covers that hole so that you could drink out of it kind of like you'll see the people with the insulated coffee cups and it's got that little thing so similar something similar to that but again if you just go to the website you can find those uh, and those are around like 10 bucks but what i'd like to see would be one made out of metal or some some similar that would fit and kind of snap down over there um, and you could that way you could put the whole thing into the fire and that could help with the boiling um I think if you tried that with the uh, with that little plastic thing, eventually it would it would melt or it would deform and probably wouldn't fit and form up a good seal for you. Uh, let's see. Oh, also, this is a little off the subject, but and I'll put a link to it as well. There's another guy, the guy that owns the CantingShop.com. His name is Rob, and he's got on YouTube. I think if you just type in Canteen Shop. Uh, on youtube it'll pop up but he does a lot of videos with the canteen cup and and goes into detail about how to clean them and a bunch of other things like that so that would be the only cons of it um the mod what modifications again would i like to see done by the manufacturers again maybe doing the lid uh, a metal one um 
and what mods have I done? I haven't done any. Uh, and uh, the only thing I may do in the future is I may try and make one, uh, maybe out of some uh, some sheet metal or something, to see if I can't get something to uh, that would go on or would be able to snap on to where it would stay on just uh, so it wouldn't flop right off if I was doing some boiling uh, in the fire with it. So, uh, in conclusion, I, I really, really like this canteen cup. Like I said, I'd never used one before. I'd seen guys on YouTube and I'd heard other dudes talking about it. And, and, uh, it's a really versatile, uh, versatile little tool for you. A really versatile piece of kit, I guess you could say. So I would highly recommend it. Like I said, you can find one maybe that's a little beat up. Uh, or that's a little black and anywhere from you know five to eight dollars, you can get one that's never been issued and brand new and is in top-notch shape, probably for you know twelve to sixteen once you had in shipping and all that stuff. So, all right, let's go ahead now and talk about that parka that I had, and uh, the parka that I got, I got it from Sportsman's Guide, and it's the Swedish M90 uh, cold weather parka, and it's insulated. Uh, so let's ask our questions again. What was this thing designed to do and how well does it do it? It was designed to be a cold weather coat, uh, keep you warm in the winter. How well does it do it? Well, I tell you, it worked top notch. I love this thing. So, uh, it kept me very warm. Um, let's talk a little bit about how it's designed. It is a longer parka and it's also, uh, and so it comes down almost to your knees which uh, gives you more of your body is covered up by the coat. Uh, it also makes it when you sit down, you know, that you could actually kind of pull the bottom of the jacket and sit down on the jacket so that your uh, your delicate butt won't get too cold. Um, on the it, it has a hood. Now, I guess some versions came with a hood that wasn't insulated. This one was insulated. Mine is insulated. Uh, mine is the extra large. Uh, speaking of the sizing, you know, sometimes... When you look at jackets, they are designed, uh, and if it's an extra large, it's designed for you to maybe be wearing a shirt underneath it, and that's about it. Um, this park, I got the extra large size, and it's designed for you to probably have a base layer and maybe a fleece, you know, a mid layer, and then the and then the the uh, the parka, and still be able to move around and be comfortable with it. Uh, it's got uh, so it is sized what I would what I would term as size for layering. Uh, like I said, my hood is insulated and it doesn't zip. the The hood is attached, but what you can do is you can you can roll the hood up, and then there's a little strap that you can button it on the back, and so it can kind of go down on the collar. Uh, the hood does have a drawstring. There's also a drawstring in the middle of the jacket, you know, for cinching it up around the waist. On the outside, are it only has two pockets. Uh, and those pockets, which I thought was a nice little touch, are also, they're insulated. Now, this is uh, man-made insulation. Uh, the jacket is, uh, or the park, excuse me, is cotton and, and the polyester. Um, and because of that, I didn't know really if it was going to be that warm, but it was surprisingly warm. Uh, now, let's talk a little bit about the maybe some of the cons of it. Uh, it is not water what you would consider to be waterproof by any means i think it might shed some of the light snow um i flicked a little bit of water on there to see what it would do and it did beat up a little bit but if it sits on there it kind of soaks into the jacket so i don't know in a if you were caught out in a downpour 
uh, how well that would protect you or how well it could keep you warm once it got wet. Uh, and it may not be able to do it at all, you know, unlike wool. Now, having said that, if you, if you were going to go somewhere where you thought it was going to be rainy or you, you knew you were going into maybe cold and wet conditions, you should have, uh, didn't have to be a poncho, but you should have something to where you could uh, give yourself a waterproof barrier. Uh, for me, with that jacket, I would just always have my poncho with me. Uh, and it doesn't have to be the military kind. It could even be uh, just kind of a, one of the cheap kind of emergency throwaway ones. Um, I would recommend that you get one that's decent quality just so that you can reuse it and so it, would, it could be able to take a little bit of abuse. But uh, that's about probably the only thing. Um, I don't know whether or not I consider the lack of chest pockets on there uh, a con with that or not. Um, so with that, let's move on and let's talk about some of the modifications that I'd like to see done. Again, what I'd like to see... And I don't know if maybe if this was just the material, but I'd like to see something where the actual jacket would be very water resistant, if not waterproof. I don't know if they could, I'm sure they could make one that's a waterproof, but something maybe almost like a, a Gore-Tex outer or something. Uh, what I'd also like to see for the hood would be the ability maybe to actually zip it up and put it inside the collar. And also on the inside of the parka, I, I wouldn't mind having a couple of stash pockets, you know, a couple of inside pockets for things. Um, other than that, I think that's about all I would do. Now, have I done any modifications to it? And the answer to that is no. Uh, and I don't know, quite frankly, if I ever will. Uh, probably like the only modification, and you really wouldn't even call it that, would be just making sure that you had a parka with you. Now, I guess, you know, maybe let me backtrack a little bit. Maybe what I might do is I might try and uh, maybe sew in an inside pocket so that I could keep something maybe stashed in there. Um, again, I, I don't know. The um, the outside pockets are pretty big, so you could put some stuff, uh, quite a bit of stuff in there. Uh, so we'll see. Um, but like I said, I uh, would, I guess we could look at too, would I recommend this jacket? And I would say absolutely. Now, I got mine at Sportsman's Guide. And I think total with shipping and everything, I paid $50 for it. And when I first got it from there, it kind of had a little bit of the mothball smell. And, but I was able to throw it in the washing machine. Oh, and that's another thing that's kind of a plus is you can, this is totally machine washable. Uh, so I threw it in the washing machine, washed it, and it came out, man, and it came out looking better. It looked brand spanking new. Um... And then after the camping trip, you know, it smelled real smoky. So again, I just threw it in the washing machine and it, it looks even better now. So, and plus all the smell is gone. There's none of that mothball smell. There's no smoke smell or anything like that. But this is a, a jacket that if, if you wanted something like this and you didn't want to spend, you know, two or $300 on one of these, you know, high tech top, top of the line, high end jackets, you know, that's something that you could get. And let's say if it's 50 bucks for the jacket and then you got like a good military grade poncho to go with it uh, or uh, some type of an outer shell that you could that you could put on, um, even if you made one out of like your own, like a, uh, your own something like with still nylon, but probably a poncho would be easier. But anyway, uh, rambling on, uh, something like that with a poncho, you know, again, let's say you paid $20 for the poncho. Um, 
for 70 bucks, you've got like a top-notch system. Now, one thing that I was going to order from Sportsman Guide as well was they had the, the pants that went with it, like the insulated pants, but they were out of those. And they're supposed to going to get those maybe in, in August or something like that. So I'm going to order those, and when, I, when those come in, I'll give you guys a report on that. Now, I'll only be able to sort of talk about maybe fit and finish of it and kind of how they fit and the sizing of it and things. I won't be able to, until wintertime, really be able to uh, give you guys kind of a heads up on how the how the pants will work in cold or in the snow. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for our review of the uh, Swedish M90 Parka. Um let me let me say one thing though and this will kind of go back toward the pants a long time ago and i don't know i must have been 20 22 something like that i had gotten a pair of pants um and these were i think they were east german winter wool pants and they had they were cargo pants and then they had a little they had buttons on the back for suspenders and uh these pants were probably, bar none, the best winter pants that I had ever had. And uh, I need to pick up another pair of them. Um, I remember a couple of times just being out in the snow. And uh, one time was with a, with a hunting trip and another time we were just out goofing around. But those pants always kept me warm. Uh, and uh, I remember, like I said, kind of sitting and waiting in the snow and just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And they stayed dry and they stayed warm. Those were great pants. So that's another kind of recommendation that if you can come across those and find them. And they're not too hard to find. Um, like I said, I'm pretty sure mine were East German military that were surplus. And I, I, I paid, I don't know, maybe $15 for them at the time. And... Uh, like I said, if I can come across those again, I'm going to go ahead and pick up a couple bears. It's time to whip out my pimp cane and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up, motherfuckers. All right, this is the time in the show where I like to talk about other podcasts and uh, maybe some other shows or movies and things that I've been watching or if I've been reading or listening to any good uh, uh, story podcasts or things like that, audiobooks. I like to guys let you know. As always, head over to B Movie Cast if you like kind of the old sci-fi stuff, the B movies. Um, B Movie Cast is one of my favorites. In fact, uh, they just did their had their 100th episode, and uh, you can hear yours truly is in there. I, I called in to them. Actually, I left a uh, did an MP3. I sent one over to those guys. Uh, but it's a, a really good podcast. Um, they put a lot of work and a lot of effort into it. Uh, also, if you like um, horror movies like me, if you like uh, exploitation stuff, there's a couple of podcasts that I'm going to recommend. The first is called uh, the Dried Blood Podcast, and that deals primarily with horror, but it's done by a guy named James. Now, he had kind of taken a sabbatical, but he's back now. Also, if uh, another really good one where he was kind of having to take some time off uh, is destroy the brain and that is done by a guy named andy treffenbach and i think he's on show like 74 75 something like that now uh, but anyway i really like him i like his style he's got a lot of thought puts a lot of effort into it and he's he's all he's trying he tries new things all the time tries to do stuff where he does live shows and things like that so 
if you do go over there and uh, give him a listen, um, let him know you heard about it on this show. And uh, if you contact him, like I said, and I, I know I kind of say it a lot during the shows, is I really like to hear from you guys. Uh, all of us that are podcasters, that's kind of our uh, one of our big paybacks, I guess, is to get feedback from you guys. So uh, we always enjoy getting it, and it always makes us uh, feel like what we're doing is uh, not in vain, and we're not just talking out there to, to nobody in particular. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know, I did watch a pretty fun movie the other day called Zombieland starring Woody Harrelson, and I really enjoyed that. It's just a fun movie. It's not an Oscar winner by any, any stretch of the imagination, and it is a little predictable here and there, but it's just a fun, all-around, good, good zombie movie. Um, what else did I watch? Oh, you know, the other day I watched, uh, and I forget the director's name, it's Shane Aker, I think maybe it, A-K-C-E-R. No, it's A C C K E R. I think I anyway, the movie that he did was nine. And it's a, a computer animated movie. Um it's on Netflix, so I'd say check it out. I thought it was really cool. Uh it's a story about uh this guy, he's a scientist and he makes these little robots and then they kinda have to deal with this post apocalyptic world. So uh really a cool little movie. Um let's see what else. Well, not too much else, I guess. Oh, one thing that I'd like you guys to do, if you could do for me. Um, I know a lot of you guys went over and filled out that survey. That's on there, and that that allows me to be able to get uh, statistics on how many people download and where they download from. It's Again, I don't know if they'll ever hook me up with any type of a sponsorship or anything like that. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But uh, I want to say, number one, thank you guys for doing that. I appreciate that, the time that you spent doing that for me. Um, but also, if you could do me a favor and go over to iTunes and write up a little review if you like the show. Um, like I said, I'd like to grow the show and grow the community. Uh, the more people we have listening and the more people we have participating, the better it's going to be for all of us. So if you have some spare time and you can do that, I'd appreciate it. Uh, so thanks so much for doing that. I'll give you, I guess, a little preview of coming attractions on next week's show. I think I'm going to talk about a little bit more about what I did in the camping trip. Um, and also, I'll, I'll maybe review the tent that I used and a couple other things. Oh, one other thing real quick. There's a group on YouTube called the Bushcraft Group. And it's it's a thing where the, uh, the guys that are running it, they'll issue a challenge and then you go out and do that. So... Yours truly uh, t- took part in one of the challenges, and if you go over to my two YouTube channel, which is five two five donut, so five two five d o n u t s, you can see my uh, my entry into that. Um, and then the way it works is, you'll we post a video to our own channel, and then we send a message over to the Bushcraft group, and then we embed our video in that, and then they post it up there. With mine, I think the quality of mine is a little bit better over on my channel. Um, but I would still say go over to that, and it's called, it's all one word, The Bushcraft Group. Um, and then you can see tons of other things. And what we were supposed to do was, uh, the challenge was to build uh, like a little fire, uh, not a pit, but a, like an actual kind of fireplace, either out of stone or whatever materials were handy. And then try and do an oven and see kind of what you learn from it. Um, 
been it came about because the guy who was doing it said you know back in olden days when these campers or uh, trappers and and traders would go out and they would have these week or two week long camps they would build a, a temporary shelter and they wouldn't use an open pit fire what they would do is they would actually build kind of a little fireplace uh, so that was the challenge so if you wanted to go check out that video uh, you can do that also feel free to subscribe to any of my youtube videos um, if there's something that you would like me to do or if you guys would like me to do additional reviews of some of the stuff and that's kind of was my original intent but and i may still do that but i may do actual reviews of some of the things that we talk about here so and also uh, if you've done a review or sent in a review um, i'd challenge you to go ahead and do a youtube uh, video and then let me know and then we can get the word out on the next show or the next shows however we need to do it and uh, maybe we can uh, kind of grow or have our own little group too all right, guys. Well, I think that is going to do it. So I will see you later, my fellow monkeys. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it.